0: eliminate the appeal of your excuses so you can get consistent, stay consistent, create the results you want and enjoy the journey. Let's get started. Hello everybody, welcome back to the Primal Potential podcast. I am Elizabeth Benton. So much good stuff to chat with you about today. I posted in the Primal Potential Facebook group like what you guys wanted to talk about today and there are some really fantastic topics, but before we get to that, I wanted to tell you about a conversation I had with one of my clients in the consistency course the other day because the conversation we had and the recommendations I made to her are almost universal. You know, we all can find ourselves in situations where We know what we want to do and what we feel we should do, but getting ourselves to do it, not quite as straightforward. Before I tell you about that, our prize today is gonna be a Changemakers Journal. Switch things up a little bit. So I'll announce the winner at the end of the show, but you get a free Changemakers Journal, no matter where in the world you live. I love to give stuff away, every Saturday, and could be you. All you gotta do is leave a review of this show on whatever app you listen. Even if you've done that before, you can leave another review, because you can do episode-specific reviews, or something you learned or enjoyed recently. And uh, every week, I give something away on Saturday. So I'll announce the winner, who's getting the free Changemakers Productivity and Fulfillment Journal at the end of the show. Let me tell you about this call that I had with a particular client. This was somebody, she's actively in the consistency course, had lost 50 pounds and has put some of that back on and is finding it really challenging to get back into momentum and consistent action. I've been there. (laughs) I've absolutely been there. And on top of that, she's facing some health challenges. So theoretically in her in her opinion what she shared with me theoretically her motivation should be higher than ever because she does not liking where she is physically and she's got these health challenges in front of her which make it even more important than before to put health first and yet there are the excuses of i'm stressed and this stressful thing and so i can't deal with that because i'm dealing with this and she kicked off the conversation by saying, I'm going to start with one thing and it's going to be swapping my diet soda for water. Now, I'm all for the small singular change. I am. I think it's a powerful thing. But not any small singular change is going to move the needle, right? And what can be frustrating and I hear this from a lot of my clients is, I made this change, but I'm not seeing results. What the heck? Well, the thing to remember is not every change is going to give you results. And certainly not every change, if it does give you results, is going to give you fast results or results that are measurable in the time frame you want them. But in this situation, I didn't think this was the starting point for her. We talked a little bit about what thought processes were coming up? What was she thinking? How was she using logic to justify choices that weren't the choices she ultimately wants to make for her health and her goals and her fat loss and all of this? And, and it was things like I mentioned earlier, I'm really stressed. I can't handle this. I'm overwhelmed. These other things are going on that I have to deal with. And I said, I think you need a new mental model. A lot of us are operating with mental models that don't work at all. For example, all or nothing is a mental model. I see it as, well, if I'm going to do this thing, I might as well go all the way because I screwed up already. I'll do better tomorrow. That is a mental model. It is not the only mental model available, but many people, myself included, all or nothing used to be a big thing for me just get attached to mental models that don't work. And so the mental model of, because I'm stressed and overwhelmed, I'm not going to take responsibility and accountability for my health, and then I'm going to be pissed about it, that's a mental model. And you need a new mental model. So I asked her, what is the mental model, the perspective, the framework, the paradigm, whatever word you want to use, that will set you up for success in this season. And it's got to be really simple. Like I said, if I were in her shoes, I don't have the luxury to screw around anymore. You know, I have, uh, my best friend works in the medical field and, and works with a lot of cancer patients. He's a doctor. And we have had the conversation on a number of occasions about what we would immediately do In terms of our own choices, not medical care and that sort of thing, but like lifestyle if we were diagnosed with cancer. Because we both like research and we both like science and there's a a specific, and I've talked about this on the show before, so I'm not going to get into it today because it's not really relevant, but there's a specific way of eating that I would immediately default to if I were diagnosed with cancer or if my mom was diagnosed with cancer. It's what I would say to her like, ma, this is dietarily what I think you need to do. The mental model is, this is life or death. (laughs) I don't have, I maybe I had the luxury before and it was vanity-based and I could start tomorrow and this, that, and the other thing, but now I'm fighting for my life. That's a different mental model. Now, that mental model doesn't apply everywhere, but I had to really think about this. I don't know if I talked about this here on the podcast or someplace else. I get confused between where I say what, but when... I found out that the twins were in jeopardy, and after surgery, that I'd have to kind of be taking it easy and not able to pick up row and, and spending a lot of time off my feet. I needed a new mental model because the mental model I had before wasn't going to apply in the same way or as ideally to a modified bed rest kind of situation. So I asked myself, What is the mental model I need to set myself up for success in this season? And some of it was around letting go of stuff like the kitchen being a mess because that drives me bonkers. I really don't like chaos and clutter and things sitting out. In the past, it is something that has really gotten under my skin. But that was part of um, a shift I needed to make in my mental model that in this season, my house might be a little chaotic And it won't be as neat and tidy as I would prefer it to be. And things won't be in order all the time because that's not anywhere near as important as me staying off my feet and not following around a one-year-old cleaning up after everything he throws around or cleaning up after my husband or cleaning up after myself even. I needed a new mental model. Many of us need a freaking new mental model. And you have to keep bringing it to your mind, not just identifying it and deciding on it, but over and over and over again, this is the new mental model. Am I using it right now? Am I thinking through it right now? Am I choosing based on this mental model or not? And do I need to redirect to it? I really think that that is what so many people listening today need. So I wanted to just bring that up and put it on your radar, high level, because I had this conversation just a couple days ago with a client. I wanted to share that perspective with you. All right, a bunch of questions that came in this week from the Primal Potential Facebook group. Thoughts on negative thoughts um, or perspectives on negative thoughts, I guess I should say. A couple of questions about how the twins are doing and how I'm managing to not go down what somebody called the unhelpful worry spiral um a bunch of good questions that came in. The somebody asked about like the mentality of it's not fair when life feels hard. So we'll get to all of that. And then I will, of course, share who is the winner of the uh, Changemakers Productivity and Fulfillment journal. Okay. So the first question says, How do I lasso my negative thoughts? I don't know that I've ever gotten a question with the word lasso in it, so thanks for that. <laughs> how do you get control of your negative thoughts? So I would suggest that instead of thinking of it as like, how do I get them under control? Or how do I rein them in? Or how do I overcome them? Or how do I eliminate them? What if you think about it in terms of, I'm just trying to get to know myself better. Like I want to understand my logic. How did I get to this perspective? Are there other perspectives? I really want to understand me better and my thought processes better instead of trying to white knuckle change and just like, I wish I could be more positive or more solution focused. See it as getting to know yourself better, which requires slowing down a little bit. If you think about what it would look like to get to know somebody else You'd have to ask questions, right? You couldn't just speed on past whatever they say without diving in more. If you and I are sitting down to coffee and I want to get to know you better and you say something to me and I just move on to the next thing, I'm not going to get to know you better. Instead, I'm going to ask follow-up questions. And that is what I think you can do with yourself in response to negative thoughts, but also positive thoughts and neutral thoughts. Challenge yourself to see it as an opportunity to say, why do I de- default to that? Is there another way I could see it? Why do I think that I am looking at it from that perspective when there's other perspectives available? Well, it's because I'm afraid. Why do I think I'm afraid? If I didn't feel afraid... How might I be approaching this? What would be different if I didn't feel afraid? What kind of perspective would I have to feel to not be afraid? Slow down and see it from the perspective of getting to know yourself better. And if you're not sure how to do that, again, go back to what would it look like in conversation with somebody else to get to know them better? With ourselves and our own thoughts and even often our own words or our own behaviors, we just blow right past and move on to the next thing. That would never, ever work in getting to know someone else. And it's not gonna work with getting to know you. Couple questions around the twins. My pregnancy, how are you and the twins doing? How are you doing with bed rest? Is there anything we can do to help you? How do you keep from going down the unhelpful worry spiral? So as I think I shared a couple weeks ago, I had surgery, it's now been two weeks, down at Johns Hopkins, on the twins in utero, specifically on the placenta. Um, It's not the kind of surgery where they can say after the fact, yes, it was successful or no, it wasn't successful. It is only the kind of thing that you can watch over time. So it can look a little better right after surgery and then get worse, or it can not seem to look any different right after surgery, and then get better. Um, So we don't have answers of, did it work? Did it not work? What the name of the game is now is monitor very, very closely, very often, and me take it easy because, you know, they, they put a hole in my uterus. And I need my uterus to be strong and intact. Uh, And that just requires a lot more rest. Plus, on top of that, agitating the uterus means that it often contracts in response to that. So I am having more contractions now. I wasn't having contractions before the surgery. I wasn't having Braxton Hicks contractions either. Um, And I am having contractions now, certainly not as many as in the 24 hours post-surgery, but that's why I have to take it easy. So... It's tough to say how the girls are doing, the twins are doing, because it can be different every single day. So I did have a uh, scan to check on them this morning, and like, we're okay for today. We're okay for today. But I also know that, you know, some appointments are better than others and show different concerns, and there's a lot of things that we have to watch. So we have to watch... um, One of the babies, we have to watch their bladder. Another baby, we have to watch their heart. For both babies, we have to watch uh, the blood flow through the brain, through the umbilical cord, um, in the heart. We have to watch my placenta because a lot of times what can happen when the babies share a placenta is like one side of the placenta looks really good and the other side you can tell is starting to deteriorate. So we have to watch all of those things. And honestly, appointment by appointment, even day by day, they can look really different. So um, for that reason, I'm just very much in the state of like the update is we're okay today. Um, we're, we're okay today. And we, we obviously want them to stay in utero as long as we can. Um, and yeah, how am I doing with bed rest? Well, it's not bed rest, bed rest. You know, I know a lot of people who have either been on bed rest in the hospital or bed rest at home and they either can't sit up or, you know, they can't go up and down the stairs. I have a lot of flexibility. So I am essentially more like I have to take it easy. So lifting Roman or anything else has been a no-no. So my sister's been here helping a lot. My mom's been here helping a lot. Uh, When I was in the hospital, my mother-in-law was helping with Roman and, um, you know, it's an adjustment. It's an adjustment for Roman too. Like he wants me to pick him up. I want to pick him up. But going back to what I talked about with the mental models, the mental model is the best thing for everybody is for me to keep these babies healthy and inside me for as long as possible. And even in moments where that feels hard, like that is what is best for everybody right now, including Roman. That's, that's the best thing for Roman For the sake of our family and for the sake of Roman's mom and, you know, all of those kinds of things. So, uh, is there anything that you guys can do to help me? No, that's really sweet though. Um, if you're the praying type, I'd love prayers for families who are going through similar things. Uh, for my medical care team who are all absolutely amazing, but they also have, you know, a lot of stress and pressure and high stakes on them. Like I think about my job and my job is in saving lives and uh, in the, in the direct way that it is for the doctors and nurses and radiologists and all of those things that, that take care of me and the twins. Um, yeah. And then just being here, being part of the community is a huge help. The, the last question about the twins says, how do you keep from going down the unhelpful worry spiral? So this is not new to me because after Dagny died and uh, I got pregnant with Roman, I had a lot of fear around the loss. Like, wh- what if I lost Roman? What if, you know, And and I still am very, very sensitive to things that people say around this. For example, when well-meaning people message me and say, like, the twins will be fine, you'll be fine. Part of my healing process that is probably going to be, well, definitely going to be a lifelong process is like, so why are they different than Dagny? (laughs) Like, so you you didn't think Dagny was going to be fine? I mean, we just don't know. We just don't know. So I, I still have a lot of healing to do. And when I was pregnant with Roman and even when Roman was born, I had a lot of work to do on like not being a crazy person. Fearful of every freaking thing, and and that work continues now in this pregnancy. Honestly, even before I found out about complications with this pregnancy, I I think it's just normal to to have worries, um, whether you're a mom or not, whether you're pregnant or not. There are a couple of tools that I use, and I actually write about this a lot in Tools for the Trenches. So if this is something that you are dealing with. I think Tools for the Trenches has just a lot of resources in this area. So one of the things is, is there something I can do to be proactive? For example, when I find myself in worry that the twins will be born very early and be in the NICU and all of those things, I ask myself, is there anything that I can do about this? And there are some things. For example, I can make sure that I have a plan in place for Roman. Sometimes worry points us to where we need to button things up. You know, even before before Roman was born, maybe even, I think, before, yeah, before Dagny was born, worry about like something happening to me would go through my mind like, you know, what if something happens to me in childbirth or... I didn't didn't know I was going to have a C-section, but those thoughts went through my head. And that question, like, is there something I can do about this? One of the things that it prompted me to do was update my will, my power of attorney, like get all of those things. It was productive in that way. Sometimes it's entirely unproductive. Other times it's not. For example, if I don't feel one of the babies moving... There tends uh, one of the babies who's kind of higher up in my belly. I feel her move more than I do uh, the lower baby. And sometimes I'll get to the place where I'm kind of like nervous that I haven't felt her move in a while. Okay, is there something I can do about this? Absolutely, I can get a cold drink of water and something to eat, and lay on my left side, and pay attention and slow down. And maybe that means I say to my husband, like, "Hey, I need you to take over with Roman." I need to lay down and see if I feel any movement here. And if I don't, I call my doctor, right? Then there are other things that are just totally outside of my control. When I found out that we had to have this surgery done the day before, uh, because we had to meet with the, um, the surgeons and the whole care team and everything before we could actually have the surgery. And that day... I cried probably a hundred times and mostly it was around like, what if I lose them today? You know, what if, what if they start the surgery and like we've already lost one? What if waiting to have these meetings and these appointments is like too much time? Um, And when I ask myself, is there anything I can do about that? No. So then the tool is redirect my attention. Sometimes that's to prayer and i feel like that is something that i can do i also have people in my life that i can say to them like this specific prayer like please pray that both babies are are strong and we find that when we begin surgery like they are healthy and viable and just have the strength to endure the procedure, right? We'll cross the next bridge when we get to it. But sometimes that's the redirect is to praying. Other times the redirect is to something entirely different, like playing a game with Roman or going for a walk or washing the dishes, any number of things. But I also believe That when we worry and it's over something that we can't influence or control the outcome of in any way, we're giving energy to the thing we don't want. And I believe that where our attention goes, it matters and it has an impact. So I'm sure most people have heard the cliche like worrying is wishing for what you don't want or like praying for what you don't want because you're putting your energy and your attention there And I'm very mindful of that. I don't want to do that. That doesn't mean that it doesn't pop up in my mind a million times, but then that just means that a million times I'm going to redirect or I'm going to pray or I'm going to ask for prayer or all of the above. But I also don't want to be the kind of person, because if I worry about all these things I can't control, then I'm going to have unlimited worry in my life. And not only do I not want to live that way, I don't want my kids to see that as an example because even if I'm not saying it out loud, they'll feel it in my energy and I don't want that. And that inspires me and motivates me to do the work of redirecting. Another real powerful strategy that I have here is giving a lot of energy to what goes right. So for example, in this case, when we met with the surgeon, They were saying this week is really crazy. It's either feast or famine here. And sometimes we have like no families needing urgent surgery. And other times we have a lot of families more than we can get done in a day. So she said, I'm going to be very honest with you. I don't know we're going to be able to get you in in the morning. I don't know we'll be able to get you in at all tomorrow. And if it is tomorrow, it might be like at the very end of the day. And, you know, if you've read any books on... Science and research, you might have come across a research that is very, very clear that surgeries that happen earlier in the day have dramatically better outcomes than surgeries that happen later in the day. And number one, I didn't want a surgery at the end of the day, the next day, but I, I also didn't want it pushed to the following day, even if it meant in the morning. And uh, then it turned out that they were able to get me in at 11 o'clock in the morning, that next day that I wanted it to be done. And I just focus on like, this is a win. And I'm just going to be grateful for this win. This is a huge win. And after surgery, when the only thing that they were looking to see, they couldn't tell us anything else the day, the day of surgery, the only thing they were looking to see is, do both girls still have heartbeats? And they both had heartbeats. And sure, there's a million other questions about like what comes next and what comes next week and what comes next month. And I will just focus on like, you know what? Right now, we have a win. We have a win that they didn't get any of my blood vessels accidentally, that they weren't unable to do the surgery, right? That happens sometimes. They just don't have good visibility or good access. And so they can't do the surgery. And that didn't happen. And so I focus on the wins. I focus on what is good. I focus on what is right. That does not mean that's the default for me. Uh, Of course, those fear-based thoughts come up, but it is a decision. It is a discipline. It is a practice to redirect to what is good and what is right. And so oftentimes, I'm just like, you know what? We have a win right now. And I'm focusing on the win right now. And it might be a small win, but it doesn't matter. That's where I'm focusing right now. All right. The next question, unrelated to the whole twin thing, we're moving on beyond that. Do you have any book recommendations for 2022? And I asked this person, I was like, in what category? Because, you know, it's going to be a very different answer if you're looking for fiction than if you're looking for, like, finance. Um. And I I believe one of the things the person said was self-improvement. My book recommendations aren't like yearly. It's not, I haven't read anything in 2022 that is some exciting new recommendation. For self-improvement, I really like the book Atomic Habits. I really like The Obstacle is the Way. Atomic Atomic Habits is James Clear. The Obstacle is the Way is Ryan Holiday. I like both of those books. Um... I like The Way of the Peaceful Warrior. I can't think of the author name off the top of my head there. It's going to come to me in like 10 minutes. Um, gosh, I like Motivation Manifesto by Brendan Burchard. Um, I like Chasing Cupcakes by me. I reread that myself every year and sometimes more than that because I just need those tools reinforced and those messages reinforced and that thread of consistency reinforced That's what's coming to mind right now. But also, if you go to my Instagram and you look at uh, my reels, I've done a couple of reels on books, so you can check that out there. Okay, one more question, and then, oh, no, two more questions, and then I'll share who's getting the Changemakers Journal. How do you transition to retirement when daily goals were often work-related? Well, I think you can have either. A time where you just enjoy your days without specific goals or maybe and or you can have new goals. I know for me, and this, you know, speaking of the Changemakers Journal, this is one of the things I really like about it. It separates out different areas of your life. So work is only one area. So whether you're working or not, I want you to have other things that you're pursuing for your relationship, for your health, for your fitness, for your finances, for your friendships, for travel, for any number of other things. So whether you're retired or you're not, those other areas are all still there. It's okay if you were predominantly goal-oriented in work or predominantly goal-oriented in health. There's so many other facets of your life. And in the Changemakers Journal, we spec this out so that Month by month, you're kind of paying attention to what are those other areas and have I invested in them? But start to look at the other areas of your life and things you want to pursue there. Retirement seems like a really great time to improve your fitness, right? And weight aside, it's got nothing to do with weight, but your physical fitness, your strength, your stamina, your endurance, your agility, your flexibility, your mobility, all of those things. It also seems like a really great time to have some priorities around connecting with people and being social, and maybe those are some friendship things. So maybe the hook, the challenge here is that word goals, and maybe it needs to be priorities. Or in the Changemakers Journal, we call it investments, areas of your life where you're going to invest. This last question says, how do we overcome the, quote, it's not fair mentality? surrounding things in life that can feel hard. I find that I can actually physically exhaust myself by constantly battling that it's not fair voice that different circumstances present. Well, what does fair mean? Who decides what fair is? Because even when I consider the fact that my daughter died, there's also the reality that like I have a roof over my head and I can count on food to eat every day and I have clean water and a huge percentage of the world's population doesn't have that so what's really not fair but more importantly who promised you fair and who defines it and if it's you then are you just looking at your own circumstances what if you look at people that have it way worse than you my grandfather used to say this all the time no matter what is going on in your life Whether you're at the top of the mountain or you're at the bottom, there's somebody that's doing better than you and there's somebody that's doing worse than you, no matter what. And honestly, like, there's a lot of somebody's doing a lot better and there's a lot of somebody's doing a lot worse. So if we picked a random person out of a crowd, somebody who is struggling with a terminal diagnosis or somebody who has no family and it bounced around to 14 different foster homes growing up and has never really felt like they belonged anywhere. Like everybody would have a different answer on what fair is. So you're kind of playing an unwinnable game. Why, why not ju- why assess is this fair or not when there is no real definition of fair and you're going to get a different answer every time you ask a different person Why not invest in making the most of your life? It just seems unproductive to me to be in a debate with yourself over fair or unfair. Chances are I could probably make a really strong case that you've got it pretty good, even if you can make a strong case that you've got it pretty bad. And that's kind of the point. Like, who, A, who decides what fair is? B, if it's unfair, so what? Who said it was going to be fair? See, there's different seasons of life. So are you just like zoomed in on, on one? Because I could paint a picture of like, I was a super overweight kid. I didn't have any friends. I had some weight related, really challenging things happened to me. My parents were divorced. I was bullied. Then, you know, the dad that raised me died in a car accident. I got divorced. I lost a child. Like I based on that perspective like oh poor me but you know what there's a very different perspective out there that I live in the United States of America I've never had to worry about where I was going to sleep or if I had food to eat I mean those are huge huge things I could make a case of like I've got it damn good and I could also make a case that I've got it damn bad but like what would that how would that help me at all so that's just my thoughts on that all right Changemaker's Journal is going to Papa and GJ 2021. Papa, P-O-P-P-A, ampersand GJ 2021. Email me, elizabeth at primalpotential.com. Tell me you were the winner for episode 1002. Include your mailing address and I will get the Changemaker's Journal out to you. We've got a ton of great questions that came in already for next week. But of course, if you've got topics or questions that you want to dive into, let me know. And we will do just that. Make it a great day, guys. I'll talk to you soon. Thanks so much for listening to today's show. If you enjoyed it, make sure to take a few seconds to leave a rating and review on whatever platform you're listening. It not only supports the show in a huge way, but it also automatically enters you into our weekly product giveaway. For more tools, tips, and strategies on creating change, check out my first book, Chasing Cupcakes, and follow me on Instagram, at Elizabeth Benton. Remember, every choice is a chance, and I'll see you next time. Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around, a watch she can wear every day for movement. Whether mom's into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers,